Um, we are jumping into our next message. This is part two in follow-up of last week. Don't feel bad if, you've, if you missed last week. You're not going to be lost today. But it is a part two, and we're talking about boundaries this morning in our series called People Problems. You got people problems? You still got people problems? I have people problems every day. <laughs> Sometimes every hour of every day. And what's crazy about it is relationships are such an important part of God's design for us. They're such an important part of his design for us to experience him, to learn from him, to grow from him. Relationships are the context of growth and discipleship, which means to be a follower of Jesus. What it means to follow him is to be a disciple. And uh, it's so important for our spiritual health, our, 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 all of our health, to be in healthy relationships. So we've been walking through this series. I hope it's been through the summer. I hope it's been meaningful to you and valuable to you and challenging to you and maybe encouraging to you and all those things to you as we talk about people problems. This week, we are in Boundaries Part 2, such a creative title. Boundaries Part 2, and just a quick recap, last week we dug into this, this idea of boundaries and we are in Exodus chapter 19, and boundaries are a list of it's okay, it's not okay that you have. It's a list of it's okay, it's not okay for my relationships, for my personal space, this list of it's okay or it's not okay. Do you have that list? You see, the problem is people will push past our boundaries a lot if we allow them to. And when they do, it causes anxiety and guilt, and shame, and a whole bunch of other kind of like not so fun experiences that we live in. And most of us haven't clearly communicated or expressed or even set what our boundaries actually are. But boundaries are a good thing, a God-given thing, and a God-modeled thing. And last week we talked about how Jesus modeled boundaries when he left the crowds, people still wanting healing, people still wanting to be made well. He essentially, by going to get rest and spend time with his father, was saying no to a bunch of people, some of who desperately needed him to meet an immediate need. We talked about how God established boundaries. He gives a speech in Exodus 19 about how much he loves his people, how much he is there for his, his people. And after he gives them this spectacular reminder of who he is and what he has done for them and how much he loves them, he then says to Moses, I'm going to reveal myself on Mount Sinai, set up some barriers at the base of the mountain and don't let the people cross those barriers. If they do, they will surely die. Don't let them. Put them up. Make them clear. You see, God models boundaries. They are God-given, God-sent, and necessary for healthy relationships. Spiritually, emotionally, in all, physically, in all the ways. And then we talked about how there's like six ways last week to be better at boundaries. This week we're not talking about six ways to be better at boundaries. This week we're going to look at a phenomenal example of someone who had great boundaries, who set them, who had a reason for them, who protected them no matter what anybody said. Do you ever feel guilt about protecting your boundaries? 
or saying no to somebody? Never like felt like, well, I don't, I can't say no, right? Like, what are they gonna do? Who's gonna help? It has to be me. You ever feel guilt about that stuff? This example in the Bible is a phenomenal character who demonstrates just exceptional leadership and understanding and emotional intelligence. I love this guy. I love this guy, and his name is Nehemiah. And if you ever want to dive into like a real good study of what it means to lead people well, what it means to walk through difficult challenges in your life, Nehemiah is your guy. It's such a good book. We don't have time to do all of it because I know how cranky you guys get when you get hangry. And, you, and let's not kid ourselves. Our 930 people have been up since like five, you sickos. You were up to see the sunrise. I don't know why you like this so early. You're the ones who get mad at me and say, when can we have our 8 a.m. service back? <laughs> You're going to have to force that. Better invite your friends. It ain't happening. <laughs> Nehemiah chapter 6 is what we're going to read. I just want to read like 14 verses. And then uh, we're going to also jump back to the backstory because this is about you Last week we talked about the boundary breakers, right? Gossipy Gertrude, do you remember those people? <laughs> I forget, all. Guilt Trip Gary, I think was one of them. There's a bunch of boundary, last week we talked about the boundary breakers. This week, we're talking about you. We're talking about you. Nehemiah chapter six, it says this. It says, when the word came to Sanballat, Tobiah, Guess him, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies that I had rebuilt the wall. We're going to get to this in a second, but Nehemiah is on a mission. There was a remnant of Jewish people, of Israelites, who had survived the exile and Babylon and the oppression and everything. And they're in, they kind of clustered together and gathered in Jerusalem. There's one major problem besides being beat up, besides having lost all of their houses, besides being trampled on, the walls of the city they're trying to take refuge in are torn down, which means it's defenseless. Like they're, they're very, very vulnerable. Nehemiah had heard about this, had prayed a lot about it, and had been sent on this mission with the blessing from King Xerxes, because God works in amazing and incredible ways, uh, to rebuild Jerusalem to protect God's people. Now, Nehemiah is getting close to being done when we take up this part in chapter 6. And it says, it says that when they had heard, my enemies had heard that I had rebuilt the wall, not a gap was left in it. Though up to that time, I had not set the doors in the gates. So, like, you get a picture for that. It's almost done. He's almost there. You're getting close to a new day. To a big change, right? Like if we tried to apply this to our lives, you would, you would say like, man, you are on the brink of breakthrough. You're getting close to accomplishing your mission, realizing your purpose has been completed, right? Like you're almost there. But what's so interesting about life and our enemy, <laughs> like our enemy, Satan, who's, who wants nothing but your downfall, is that it seems like the closer you get to getting it, to getting there, the more you want to move forward, 
the greater the opposition. When you're on the brink of what God has for you next, just a few steps away, a few doors to put in place, it seems like that is where the opposition gets most vicious. I can't tell you how many people that have come to church who have made decisions that they're going to walk forward and follow God, that they're going to change something in their life and set this new direction of trying to be more like Jesus, have come back and said, I'm not sure, was that a terrible decision? Because it seems like my life is falling apart. You would not believe what just happened. You would not believe what this person did, what that person said. It's because the closer you get to the plan God has for you, there's an enemy who doesn't want to see you get there. And when you try to move forward, some people will try to pull you back. When you get close to breakthrough, your opposition will get louder. It says, he says, you know, they weren't completely correct because they hadn't put the doors in plate. And so Sanballat and Geshem sent me this message. Sounds good. Come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. It's such a funny name of a plain. Like, and what's ringing in Nehemiah's near ears is like, oh no. I'm not going to oh no. <laughs> Don't go. So here's, this is free. Don't go to oh no. <laughs> Nehemiah knew he had history with them. They had opposed before, though not as viciously. They had stated their objections, though not as loudly. They were scheming already, but not as cunningly. So he had history on these people these enemies, these boundary breakers, these people who wanted nothing but his harm. So he says, but they were scheming to harm me. So I sent messengers to them with this reply. This is a beautiful example of protecting your boundaries here. He says, I am carrying on a great project and cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? <laughs> so clear, right? I, I'm on a mission. I'm not stopping it for you. You know how much flack you would get if you said that to somebody in your life, right? Like, hey, sorry, can't help you move apartments this week. I'm on a mission. Why should the work stop? Four times they sent me the same message, and each time I gave them the same answer. Talk about relentless. People that are boundary breakers are relentless. They will try over and over and over again to bend you to their will. You're not supposed to bend to their will. You're only supposed to bend to God's will in your life. Then the fifth time, Sanblot sent his aide to me with the same message, and in his hand was an unsealed letter in which was written, it is reported among the nations, and Geshem says it's true, because they always have somebody that says it's true. People that want to break your boundaries always exaggerate. It's never like, I got a problem with this. It's always like, hey, have you ever experienced this? Like bosses, have prob you probably have experienced. A bunch of people are saying, you ever hear that? If you, if you were to go, okay, I'm listening, list them. <laughs> you know what you get? 
Well, it's just a few. Great. Let me, let me hear. I'd love to address it with them. You know, if there's a few concerned, then I want to be concerned too. Who are they? Well, <laughs> it's just me. I hear that in church a lot, right? Like, everybody says that you should stop joking around up front. Okay. Everyone thinks you should tie your shoes. <laughs> Who are they? Well, it's just me. <laughs> it's really, it's just me. The fifth time Sam Blot sent his aide, and then he says, uh, uh, the, the aide was saying, it's reported among the nations, and Geshem says it's true, because there's always a Geshem that says it's true. There's always a Geshem that'll say anything is true. That you and the Jews are plotting to revolt, and therefore you are building the wall. It's not true. He had permission from the king. He was clear with the king in chapter 1. He was rebuilding the wall simply to protect this vulnerable people, people he cared about. People had been through it. Moreover, according to these reports, you are about to become their king and have even appointed prophets to make this proclamation about you in Jerusalem. There is a new king in Judah, and now this report will get back to the king, so come let us meet together. This is heavy threats here. It's getting thick. Exaggerated consequences. Lies spun up all designed to make Nehemiah go, oh no, that's not true. I better go tell them and explain myself to them. But instead, Nehemiah in verse eight says this, I sent them this reply. Nothing like what you are saying is happening. You're just making it up in your head. There you go. You're welcome. That's a verse. You can, you can don't, probably don't. Probably don't go home and say that verse and be like, what? I'm just, I'm just, I'm just repeating scripture. It's not a good idea. They were all trying to frighten us, thinking their hands will get too weak for the work and it will not be completed. But I prayed, now strengthen my hands. And one day I went to the house of um, these other guys. And he said to me, let us meet in the house of God inside the temple and let us close the temple doors, which was a clear break of religious law and what God had said about how you should be in the temple. Because men are coming to kill you by night they are coming to kill you. But I said, should a man like me run away or should someone like me go into the temple to save his life? I will not go. So two times you see him establish, declare, and protect boundaries. I'm not gonna be distracted from the work I'm at and waste time going to talk with the people who only want my downfall. Distractions keep you from your purpose. Nehemiah knew that, and he wasn't going to waste time with these people who only wished him ill. And he also said, I'm not going to go in the temple and meet with one of my own people. I'm supposed to be out here doing the work. It had to be tempting to think about, okay, let's go hide out in the temple. Let's wait till the assassin leaves. Let's not deal with this. Somebody's coming to kill me? You bet I'm gonna go hide. Where's the safest place to hide? Maybe the temple. I don't know. It probably sounded great. But this guy had boundaries. And so when it came to breaking God's law, even if it meant saving his life from some unknown assailant, he said no. When it came to meeting with enemies and wasting time on time wasters, he said no. 
When it came to following distractions that would keep him from his purpose, he said, no, I will not go in. I realized that God had not sent him, but that he had prophesied against me because Tobiah and Sambalot had hired him. He had been hired to intimidate me so that I would commit a sin by doing this, and then they would give me a bad name to discredit me. And he goes on in 16, and he says, God, you remember these punks. Okay, he didn't say it exactly like that. But in essence, you have a guy here who said no and protected the established boundaries that he had. See, when we think about boundaries, it's easy to think about the boundary breakers. But what's so interesting about Nehemiah is that he was about boundaries. It's who he was. It was important to him. Friend or foe, he kept his boundaries intact and protected what was most important to him. And also, not saying no can kill you. Some of you that can't say no to people, it's killing you. And you need to know that establishing boundaries are not about them. It's about you. It's about what God wants to do in you. It's about what God is calling you. It's about what, what God wants to take you. And it's about your response to what God wants to do. So let's just stop thinking about uh, all the boundary breakers for a minute and let's talk about ourselves for a little. What's interesting is in Galatians chapter 6, I've quoted this verse so many times it's been in so many sermons right like you're probably sick of it but i've never followed it up with the next verses which are so important to today we talk about this a lot right in chapter 6 and verse 2 carry each other's burdens and in this way you fulfill the law of christ it's so important it's a part of our relationships it's an important part of our relationships and honoring god and fulfilling the greatest two commandments it says in verse 3, if anyone thinks they are something, when they are not, they deceive themselves. But then in verse 4, it says this, each one of you should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. See, we're supposed to carry each other's burdens, but we are also supposed to be self-aware enough to see where we are at in our relationship with God and where we are at in our relationships with others. I love Nehemiah. He's such a good example, but to really understand how he can become a guy with such great boundaries, you have to understand kind of like the backstory, the origin story all the Marvel freaks would talk about. And that's found in chapter one. He had some people visiting him, and he was the cupbearer to the king. He was the one who was responsible for presenting the, testing the wine and presenting the wine to the king to make sure that the king was not killed by someone who was trying to poison his wine. It was a trusted job. It was an important job. It was a prestigious job. It was, it was important. He was highly valued and probably respected even among the people that were not his people. He asked when some men came to talk about from Jerusalem, he asked, those, he asked them how it, how it was going, how the people in exile were doing. And they said to him, those who survived the exile are back in the province. Are, they're in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down. 
and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept, Nehemiah says, for some days I mourned, and I fasted, and I prayed before the God of heavens. Now, here's what I want to run through just in the next five minutes. Last week, we talked about six ways to be better at boundaries. This week, I want to talk about how to be in the right space, to know where your boundaries should be, how to be clear about your boundaries, and, and to be in the right spiritual and emotional space to protect your boundaries. We're talking about you. And the first thing that sticks out to me about Nehemiah was he was a man who was committed to seeking God. You see, my some days often look like someday. It said he spent some days praying about this to God. Some days seeking God's direction. Some days fasting and falling before him and praying and pouring his heart out and asking what he should do and probably yelling sometimes and maybe crying his eyes out because of how broken he was about some of this. He spent some days praying and before God and seeking his direction. We got massive things that happen in our lives and we'll get to seeking God someday about it. We have blow-ups in our relationships, and we spend a minute seeking God and an hour seeking Instagram <laughs> opinions about it. He was committed and consistent, and shamefully, I'm not. Maybe you struggle with that too sometimes. Or some days too often look like, oh, someday. Someday I'll get to really seeing what God would have me do here. Let me try everything else first. And then someday, if everything else I try doesn't work, then I'll see if God has something better. Nehemiah spent days before doing anything else before seeking anybody else's opinion. He spent days. You want to be in a place in better relationships with healthy boundaries, not rigid or porous like we talked about last week. Healthy, God-given, God-sent, God-modeled boundaries. You want, to, you want to experience what God has for you through those relationships, the growth that he has for you. You want to be in a healthier spot. Like it's time to spend some days before him seeking him, crying your heart out to him, yelling the pain out to him. Spend some days, decide to be committed and consistent in seeking God and his wisdom for your relationships. Number two, I think that's so important, is he knew his mission. It was clear to him. Your mission is what God has called you to do. Are you clear on that? Do you know what God has called you to do? Your mission, his mission was to rebuild and protect. Like there's parts of God's will that are true for all of us. We're to love God with all our hearts and love our neighbor as ourselves. That's true for all of us. Even if your neighbor is super annoying, it's still true. We're supposed to love our neighbors. Those things don't change. But God has also called you to a specific place and a specific task. And it's played out in your workplace, in your job. It's played out in your relationships. It's played out through your hobbies. Who has he called you to be to the people around you? 
Maybe he's called you to be an encourager. Maybe he's called you to build a business and to help take care of other people financially and provide for your family while you're helping them provide for their families. Maybe he's called you to be a servant and to just serve people in need. Maybe he's called you to help people with their car parts. You know, all of it's important and valued. Your calling is who he has called you to be and what he has called you to do in life. And Nehemiah was clear about his commitment to seeking God, and he was clear about his mission. His mission, though he was only a cupbearer to a king, he was a wine taster. (laughs) Some of you would throw him out of church because of his job. I think it was spectacular. (laughs) That was late over there. (laughs) See, that's a slow roll. You guys just wake up from a nap or something? You just caught the wine part at the end. I'm just kidding. Uh, he uh, knew his mission. And even though everybody was like, what are you doing, dude? His mission was to rebuild the wall, protect God's people. He had a purpose. He was clear on his purpose. His purpose has to do with not just what he's called to do, but it's his gift set. It's his skills. It's about his place in this world, his time in this world, what God has put him in, his relationships. He knew what he was called to do, and it was his gift set, his connections, his place in the world that God would use to accomplish it. That was his purpose. He had a relationship with the king. He got the king's blessing. He had this ability to organize a team, and so he organized a team. He could lead people. He was respected, and so he used his his personality and his ability to be in relationship with others to lead people. He was clear on seeking God. He knew his mission and he knew his purpose. What's your purpose? Not just what has God called you to do. What has he gifted you with? What workplace has he placed you in? What relationships does he have in your circle? It's your purpose. And ultimately our purpose, right, is to love God and love others. But that's expressed through our place in the world, the skill he's given us. The last, last thing that I love about this is he put a plan together. It rolls off into chapter two, and we don't have time to do it, but he had a plan together about what he was going to do, the steps he was going to take. He was intentional about how he was going to enact his purpose and, and follow his calling. Some of us, we need to be more intentional in our relationships. Guys, you need to be more intentional with your wives. You need to be more intentional with your children. More intentional with your people. Have a plan to see their good come about. Know your priorities. Write them down. Seems silly, but at the beginning of Duck Dynasty, how do you pull this into a sermon about boundaries? (laughs) Before they were massive, right? Like they had this saying, faith, family foul, (laughs) right? So priorities were listed for them and helped them stay on task with their mission, their purpose. Do you know what your priorities are? These four things, seeking God, knowing your mission, being clear on your purpose, and 
putting a plan together and being more intentional in your life and your relationships, those four things will help you achieve your God-given goals. It will help you protect your purpose, and they will help you navigate challenges. So get clear on those. Set your priorities. Your priorities are meaningless if they're just thought of. Or even if you write them down on a paper, it doesn't do anything. You see, priorities are best expressed through action. What would the people around you say your priorities are? And then once you're clear on those things, protect them with healthy, God-given boundaries. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much that your wisdom, like Scripture says, that you've given all your, your entire word for our use, our correction, our conviction to help us become more like you. We want to be more like you in our relationships. And some of us, it's time for our health, for the health of people around us, for the mission you have, the call in your li- our lives that you have, for the purpose that you have for us. It is necessary, and it's necessary not to put this off one day longer to get clear to seek you, get clear on seeking you, to be committed to it, to to understand what you're calling us to do and what our purpose is, to set our priorities and put a plan together to follow you and to love others well. It's necessary that we establish God-honoring and healthy boundaries in our relationships, but yet it takes courage and clear communication, and both those things can be really tough. So I pray you help us to have clarity and you'd help us to have courage, help us to follow you, set boundaries in all of this stuff. In Jesus' name, amen.